Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And I am super excited today to have Shelly Scarmato on the call and on the show. Shelly has a great background in nutrition, in wellness coaching, in health, has worked with so many different organizations. Um, most importantly, I will let her introduce herself. Uh, again, I am the host. I am the CEO and founder of Health Hero. We are a digital population health company. But this show, the Pop Health Show, is all about people that have a passion for making groups healthy around the world. It could be a provider, it could be a payer, it could be, you could be a yoga teacher, you could be running your own CrossFit gym or a wellness coach. Doesn't matter. This is for people that have those passions and are truly convicted and have signed up in their life to help other people get healthy. And hopefully each and every single episode, you're going to take away a few good nuggets that you can apply in your practice daily. All right. So, uh, Shelly, welcome to the show. Maybe you can kind of give an intro and, uh, you know, love to love to hear a little bit uh, from your perspective how you got started, and uh, just t- you know, tell us your origin story. Thank you, Anthony. It's really uh, a pleasure to be on the show, and thank you for creating this platform you know, for us to collaborate and share information so that you know we can make our mission bigger, stronger, and you know, change the world. I think that's why we all get into this um, industry to, to you know, begin with is to make a difference. You know, we're here to make a difference. We're here to impact people's lives. Um, that's actually how I got started. I was not a fitness um, enthusiast. Um, I did not eat healthy. I grew up in a home where, you know, things were fast food, you know, breakfast was uh, honey bun and um, a yoo Like that's the kind of home that I grew up in. Um, in high school, I went to the fitness center with uh, a friend at the time and started exercising. I also, I wasn't really overweight or, um, you know, I, I didn't have weight to lose, but I definitely was not healthy. But that's what got me excited about exercise. I felt confident. I really enjoyed it um, and started teaching group fitness. I started teaching when I was 18 years old, obtained my first certification and really loved it. I loved getting people excited about it and helping people that typically would not uh, be enthusiastic about their fitness or their health, like myself when I originally started. And watch that change. Watch the the shift in their and um, um, not only in their health and their physical being, but their emotional, spiritual, mental well being. That to me is the most important part, and that's the key to sustainability. When you really see it as something, not just something that you do, but who you are and how it contributes to your overall life. You know, I consider myself thriving when I am engaging in those behaviors that support my well-being. And that's the what we need to help people see. It's not just about the numbers and the physical changes, but it's about um, you changing as a, uh, as a person in all aspects, all dimensions of wellness. Mm-hmm. 
Shelly, that's, yeah, it's powerful. And uh, no, I really appreciate that uh, and, and can relate. Um, Shelly, from your experience uh, in health and wellness and group fitness, um, you know, I guess now's a good time. Like it's right before, you know, the holidays, you know, the new year's right around the corner. A lot of people are going to go into, you know, take group fitness classes, get new gym memberships, reinvigorate their gym memberships. What have you seen as some really good recipes or formula for keeping individuals engaged in fitness, in their health? And, you know, cause everyone struggles, right? You, you know, there's a lot of people that work out, they feel good, but then they, then life gets in the way and they kind of fall off and then they, they get in this perpetual, well, I'm going to start working out in the new year. I'm going to, I'm going to start again next month. Uh, what have you seen really work? What, what, what gets people to the next level and elevates them to, to stay consistent and be invested in their health? Often we focus on the best program, the best fitness center, the best class, and really the motivation comes from within. Those things are great, but those are sort of a, an external accountability partner <laughs> versus something that comes from within. So when people write a mission statement, uh, find their purpose, and really link their behaviors, whatever those behaviors are, um, to what they value most in life, and then solidify that with a, a strong mission statement that they read or see every day that basically um, uh, keeps them um, keeps them on the right path. You know, all the best corporations have a mission statement. So as individuals, we should be writing those statements about ourselves. So for example, if someone really values their family and time with their family, how does the healthy behaviors that they're looking to engage in support what they value most? So for example, perhaps they have more energy or they're more patient or they feel that they have more time in the day to really connect with their family because they're thriving in their health and wellness. So this little 20 minute you know, walk that they do each day, how does carving that time support that value? Or you know, the yoga class that they go to at lunchtime, how does that support their value? Because as humans, I think we feel guilty, guilty for carving that time and normal life hits us. You know, we try to do too much, I think in all aspects of our lives, but even in fitness or health or wellness, we try to do too much. And we put all of these things on our plate with knowing that there's no possible way that we have more time in the day. It's the same amount of time. So it's hard to sustain that. And then we feel like, wow, I failed, right? So I guess fitness, wellness, that doesn't really fit into my life, right? My family's more important. So I have to give this up to engage in this because this is more important to me or maybe work is more important to me or making more money is more important to me. So when you connect it and really find a way um, for fitness to support the most important thing in your life, it's a lot harder to let that go because you really see the value. So you not only feel it, but you know, you live it. And when you don't have those things, you almost feel a little off. Wow, I just I don't feel off, or I'm getting sick, or I'm less patient, or I'm not as focused at work, or you know I, I um, don't have the energy to play with my kids when I get home. Whatever it is, um, you start to notice it, 
And then you don't feel as guilty for carving that time because you see the contribution it has on everything that you really value. I love it. I love it. Uh, no, thanks for that, Shelley. Um, let me ask you, what, what, what do you say to people that are, are struggling to even find their purpose? So, you know, we've, we've heard it before in a few of these, ep- uh, on, on these shows and episodes of, you know, health is really a tool to support your life and your goals, or health is a metaphor for life and is the fabric that, you know, you should be delivered on to support your life. But what about people that deep down inside are struggling to find themselves and to find their purpose or things have changed in their life and they're trying to refine their purpose? What, what have you seen successful as helping, you know, people focus on that and then obviously supporting them with a proper health philosophy to support their purpose? Well, if they have access to a support system, a wellness coach or, um, you know, a, a, someone that they trust that's skilled in goal setting and helping them uh, move over those perceived obstacles, then, you know, reach out to that individual. That would be probably ideal. If they Mm -hmm. don't, then what they can do for themselves is, you know, grab a a book that helps guide them through the process. Um, I really like uh, Michelle Seeger's philosophy and um, sustainability of behaviors. And uh, she wrote a book that I highly recommend people to read if they do feel kind of stuck and it's called No Sweat. I've recommended it to uh, many people in, um, you know, where I work and they really like it. I know sometimes finding the time to read is um, also a challenge, but if, you know, that's your cup of tea, buy a book that kind of guides you through the process and mm-hmm. holds you accountable. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love Quit it. it. Yeah, that's great. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to check out that book. No sweat. Mm-hmm. It sounds familiar. I'll definitely have to check it out. Um, Shelly, you alluded to something interesting in that, you know, there's uh, with group fitness, there's, uh, you know, a variety of different things that you can do these days. I've always, you know, from knowing you for a while now, I always find you as someone that's always on the cutting edge of knowing what's really cool, interesting and effective in, you know, the fitness and wellness world. It's 2016 or ending 2016, we're going to 2017. What are you starting to see as cool new like trends out there in fitness or group fitness? I mean, you've got right? The CrossFit phenomenon, you've got to pure bar, full confession. I've been to a pure bar class <laughs> and uh, it's pretty, pretty cool and fun. I was the only guy in the room and I'm like, you know, <laughs> squeezing this red ball between my arms and doing all these crazy like ballet things, but I loved it. It was great. So you've got like things like CrossFit, pure bar, um, you know, jujitsu boxing. What are you starting to see as pretty interesting and exciting either in a group fitness setting or individual fitness setting that's starting to, you think is going to be engaging a lot more people faster uh, as we go into the, you know, the new year. I I love all of the, the new things that we roll out. And I think that they can motivate people to stay on the path of fitness or start uh, on their fitness path. But to me, there's a whole population out there that doesn't have the financial means, um, 
doesn't uh, have the, the confidence, the uh, ability to engage in a lot of that. And mm-hmm. so what I would like to see more of are easy, quick, simple programs for people to participate in, whether they have the financial means, the time or not. So mm-hmm. the, you know, whether they're using their phone, pretty much everyone has a phone. I see apps and home workouts and um, uh, tracking systems, group programs at your work, you know, corporate mm-hmm. programs to help mm-hmm. get them started and get them engaged in something, whether it's just walking or stretching. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the future is going to be more programs within corporations, more ways to create teams and fun competitions and accountability within mm. the environment that you spend the most amount of time. So mm. outside of your home, right? So that would be work. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, uh, there's there's a new concept of not work-life balance, but work-life balance if, can be achieved if you focus on work-life integration. And yeah, you're right. You know, the truth is we do spend so much time at work and, um, you know, the companies that are starting what we're finding, you know, I'm starting to see personally is the companies that can design, you know, an experience that, that keeps um, employees engaged with the things that they can achieve at home or should be at home, you know, makes, makes those, those employees healthier and it gets them started and focused on the right steps. So that's, no, that's great to hear from your perspective. Um, Shelly, an important question or a key question that I like to ask our guests um, or is all about like routines and personal routines. So I view you as someone that's, you know, super healthy, you know, or, you know, and, or, you know, just super conscious about their own health and, um, you know, in the process, you know, you know, has a joy, you know, going about their day. Um, I'm always looking to improve my, my morning routine, but what is Shelly's, uh, what is Shelly's first 60 minutes of waking up look like? Like, you know, do you work out in the morning? Do you, you know, eat a big breakfast? I'm just kind of curious. Maybe you could share with our listeners what, what your beginning of day looks like and how you, you start off your day. Um, well, it's, it's really probably nothing as elaborate as a lot of individuals. Um, you know, I have my, um, my uh, morning coffee as I feed my dogs and take them for a little walk and spend some time with them, get ready, um, grab a shake, go to work. And I typically eat like another small meal um, around 10 Mm a.m. And, you know, lunch at one. I do not work out in the morning. I never have. I actually despise it. (laughs) I've tried it, tried to be the morning person. Um, you know, we look at all of these statistics and, and such of if you can get it done in the morning, it's the best time to exercise. But I believe you have to just embrace what works for you. Don't try to force yourself into someone else's mold. If it's working for you and it's uh, something that you sort of glide through, you know, if you have this routine and you're gliding through it and it works for you, then it works for you. Don't try to um, change that or switch it up unless you're really trying to improve your health. You know, of course, then, you know, I'm I'm talking about fitness people in general. Sure. 
You know, like I'm not going to upset my entire routine because I read a new article published telling me that, you know, I should have coconut oil in the morning instead. Right. So I'm not the kind of person that follows crazy trends. I just, mm-hmm. I tune into my body. I know my body, what works for me, what makes me feel best. If something starts to feel a little off, then I look for solutions. But by really mm-hmm. tuning into what makes me thrive, what makes me perform at my best, I'm, I'm aware when I am a little off. So I make sure I eat a lot of vegetables, uh, mostly vegetable plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. I eat throughout the day and I really don't eat a lot of sugar. I follow those principles. I drink a ton mm-hmm. of water, of course, tons of water. I don't drink anything other than water and coffee. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, that's what, that's what works for me. But I wouldn't recommend that to other people. As a coach, right. I'm going to say, what works for your lifestyle? Um, what What does your normal day look like? Where? What do you think you need to change? What's one thing that you can change today that's going to get you closer to your goal? And sometimes they're like, you know what? I'm drinking a two liter of Coke. I'm like, great, let's focus on that. If I give them this elaborate meal plan and this is what you need to do every day, this is what will get you healthy, although that may be true, they might do it for a week or two and then they're going to stop. But if I ask them what's one thing that you can change, nine out of ten times they know exactly what that is because we Mm -hmm. are educated at this point. We're pretty much aware. And they start with that one thing. They start to lose weight. They realize, wow, this is actually kind of simple. I thought I'd have to give up everything. We celebrate it. That's the one thing we don't do enough. Let's celebrate what they're doing well and then bring them to the next behavior. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, I really don't like to just push my ideas or my processes or my programs that work for me onto other people. I prefer to have a bunch of tools in my toolbox, pull it out, help guide them through their own path and their own journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little no, that's abnormal great. like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love the approach. You know, simple is best. You know, if you you, you provide too, I, I, yeah, I find the same thing. If you provide too much of a complex process for someone to absorb, it's nothing winds up sticking. But if you focus on one thing first, the propensity to create a, a trigger um, is higher, right? You, you know, you can, you can focus on that one thing and then check in on them on that, yeah. that one thing. You, you alluded to something important with, uh, you know, the sugar. Um, you know, you're starting to find out and people are a lot starting to realize more and more like, hey, look, carbohydrates too. Like, you know, especially in the U.S., you know, we, we have, you know, probably a lot of us overeat on carbohydrates. That's just kind of in our culture and things like that. So when you when you look at things like like someone that you're coaching, that you're starting to realize that their intake for sugar and carbohydrates does not support their purpose, does not support their goals. Um, how do you get them to be a little bit more self-aware about their consumption and the relationship with the carbohydrates and sugars that they're eating? And, and you know, in hopes that you can kind of get them to realize on their own that they may be consuming too much. So Maybe you can speak to that on, on that aspect of, of diet. I like people. I like to have people read their labels, the ingredients in the labels, and I teach them about processed food. So really 
when we talk about carbohydrates, vegetables, fruits, quinoa, those are carbohydrates. So I try to stay away from making carbohydrate a bad word. And I get them to really focus on the chemicals in their food, the processes, the, the processed food. And I have them like, okay, well, you're eating Cheez-Its. That's what you have as a snack every night before bed. Do me a favor, take a picture of that label, the ingredient label, and bring it in, and we'll talk about it a little bit next time you come in. You know, I don't tell them not to eat it or that's poisonous and you must give it up. But I just bring awareness to the amount of chemicals that are in their body and then explain the impact that can have on them. Because a potato being from the ground is not a concern to me in most people's diets. It's mm-hmm. McDonald's, French fries, or uh, the you know Twinkies and the um, trans the, the food loaded with trans fat and chemicals to enhance the shelf life. Right. So I want to mm-hmm. get them to start thinking about that first and understand the impact that that can have on the body. Of course, if they're a diabetic, that's a completely different situation. But for the general population, I want them to really understand that food is fuel. And by eating things that are less processed from ground, from the ground, from nature, you know, the way God intended us to consume food, those are okay. Those are good for you. Those are nutrient dense. Yet the others are lacking in nutrients. They have all these filler chemicals that can lead to um, an enormous amount of, of health conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I, I appreciate that. And I think for our listeners, um, you know, uh, I know personally, I'm starting to become very, very sensitive to, you know, a gram of carbohydrates and sugar, but also the type of carbohydrates to your point, you know, I, I find is, is super important. Um, and I think you nailed it as well. It's like, yeah, you know, what we put down our mouths is really, it's really fuel to support what we're doing in life. And it's so easy sometimes to deviate. And, um, you know, we're just a couple of way, days away, right, from Christmas here and, and from that core holiday season for everyone. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to, uh, to, you know, be sensitive to these things as we go into the season. Um, yeah. Shelly, you mentioned something good as well. You know, I mean, we talked about morning routines. Um, a lot of people struggle with really good nighttime routines to mm-hmm. get good quality sleep. And you're starting to see a lot of studies and a lot of trends and sometimes a lot of misinformation I find in, in, in marketing around things that may be like the trick of the year, you know, to get better sleep. Mm-hmm. But what, what have you found to be really good best practices for someone that's been struggling getting to sleep? What do you, what do you, what would you recommend to people to get like, you know, what is Shelly's ultimate guide to, to, to great sleep? Maybe you can detail that out a little bit well often we have a hard time falling asleep because our cortisol levels stay elevated throughout the entire day mm-hmm. whereas it, typically what you want to see is a shot of cortisol in the morning and then a gradual decrease throughout the day and it sort of puts your body into this you know prepared state to fall asleep So being in fight or flight and feeling the stress and the rush throughout the entire day keeps that cortisol level elevated. Mm -hmm. So by checking in throughout the day and just saying, where am I right now on the stress spectrum? 
And if you feel like, you know, you've had your pedal to the metal, full speed ahead, take a moment, take one minute, take a few deep breaths. I call it breathe the ease. So I'm going to check in with myself. I'm like, you know, I really need to breathe the ease right now. What is called for now? So this allows my body to stay balanced throughout the day instead of continuously feeling the drain. And we think like, wow, when we're so drained, we should be able to sleep. But when you really understand the physiology of the body and what stress does to it, it, it really does not surprise me how many people have a hard time actually falling asleep. Right. So even if you don't do this throughout the day, you can still do this before you go to bed. Get off of all devices. I have a cutoff time in my home. We leave our phones, iPads, everything downstairs. We go upstairs and we start our you know evening routine, taking a bath or a shower, and you know making sure that you're not falling asleep with the TV on. And so when I um, like go to sleep or when I'm preparing to actually go to sleep, everything's mm-hmm. dark, cold, quiet. And then I do my, my breathing, breathe the ease, and I find things to appreciate. And I express that gratitude, and it just puts me in the calm state, calms the mind. It keeps me from, um, you know, going through my to-do list. What? Oh, my gosh, I forgot to do this today. Oh, this is a great idea. Let me write that down. You know, the typical type A personality, right? We have a really hard time. Um, shutting down. Uh, but when I do that before sleep, before I go to sleep, express my gratitude, breathe, I sleep better. I don't wake up in the middle of the night. I feel more rested when I wake up and it really does work. And when you do sleep and you get the quality sleep that you need, your DHEA levels increase, which is your vitality hormone. And the uh, cortisol DHEA are actually on the same precursor. So when one's high, one's low, vice versa. So it helps to reduce the impact of stress on the body and it puts you in a state of repair, cellular repair, right? We all want that, especially, you know, after the age of 35, when you're not replacing your cells as efficiently as you are in your 20s. Yeah. So um, it if you do that consistently, you'll start to notice a difference and it's not easy to do in the beginning. So be patient with yourself. You know, if you have a little hamster running on the wheel nonstop, (laughs) just know that with patience and practice, um, you can calm the body and get that restorative sleep. So to me, that's, that Mm -hmm. is what really works the best. That's great. No, that's that's helpful for me too. So I, I, I that's something I'm going to have to take in some notes here as well. But um, now this is great for our listeners because I know a lot of people are always just looking for you know the right formula for sleep, and sometimes it is that you know these simple things you know put together that you can do that that can help you um, you know increase your quality of sleep every night. Um, Shelly, a question I like to to end off with a, a lot of our guests is uh, along the lines of, you know, you know, what is something that you believe that um, other people may feel is insane or said another way is some, what is something you believe that um, has not been proven yet? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you can speak a little bit about, you know, uh, 
it doesn't matter what it is. It could be health related, of course. Just love to, love to hear that. Well, um, for me, um, I, I think it's been proven, but maybe people don't want to admit it. You know, I think individuals look for the quick fix. Um, they want supplementation to work. You know, they want a particular class to work um, that, or a certain trainer that they hire or this diet or, you know, all of these. Um, I mean, I don't want to call them scams, but uh, misleading mm-hmm. advice. <laughs> and often, you know, people don't really understand how simple it really is because that's mm-hmm. not what makes a lot of money. So mm-hmm. when people look at me like I'm crazy when, especially being in, in a corporate wellness, uh, uh, as a corporate wellness manager, when I talk about intrinsic motivation, personal motivation, and it really coming from within, right? Instead of something external. We all want the bells, the whistles, the quick fixes, right? But that stuff just does not work for sustainable behavior change. So mm-hmm. focusing on the behaviors, whether you are you know, running a program or participating in a program, what behaviors is this helping you to sustain long-term, right? I don't agree with weight loss programs. They're temporary, they're quick fixes, and they don't work for sustainability, right? So what can you do? What can you engage in that you can sustain long-term? If it's something temporary, just avoid it. Don't do it. Make a better step. Make a smaller step, one that you can sustain and let it grow over time. That, I think, is the hardest thing for people to really understand. And that the fact is, it is proven. There's, you know, uh, theories and um, research all on behavior change. And if I could encourage individuals to research that more, um, that would be my, my one tip. Because it really helps us understand the process of change and sustaining those behaviors. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, so this is, this is great. Yeah. So kind of just to, to codify it or just to kind of recap, it does feel like, you know, between everything we talked about today, you know, a few focused, simple steps is, is kind of key and just, you know, being consistent, um, you know, probably not getting onto yourself so much if you misstep, right. right? But just, you know, keeping on a, on a small, simple path is going to be better than, you know, trying to chase, you know, this new mm-hmm. fad or this new fad and trying to, you know, find a trick or two and cobble those together. Right. If, um, if I'm recapping that, the theme of this show, um, Shelly, this was great. I know we try and keep these usually under 30 minutes or a little, little over, but, um, it was so great to have you on the show. Love to have you back. Always love to hear about, you know, uh, what's, what's the latest going on in health and wellness and fitness and it was just great for you to ground us on the core principles of health and wellness and fitness that no matter what changes in society, it's always going to be these core simple you know, principles. So I appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it as well. Um, Shelly, uh, what's a good way for people to get in contact with you or um, interact with you online? Um, yeah. 
just as we're ending the show here. Um, Find me on Facebook, Shelly Scamardo. Um, I also have a page for those interested in wellness tips and information on Facebook. It's SS Wellness. Um, So either of those is probably the best way. Great, great. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, this was great to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you.